and during some of the toughest times, I have a little piece of paper in my wallet that I keep all the time, even to this moment, uh, of different things that I that mean to me, different sayings that mean a lot to me, uh, things that I strive for, recognizing my responsibility to give back. Reoccurring mantra I got into in college where I would just say, I'm going to break the mold. Two days after my second injury, my dad flew out to Indiana and we drove home. Went right up to my room, slept for a day, and then I woke up the next morning, I spray-painted my wall. No quitting me. I remember, you know, there is no quitting me and I won't, you know, I won't give up. The number one thing you gotta remember is you're transferring energy. And whatever energy you got is the energy the viewers are gonna have. You are listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson, where we talk with experts of craft about their journey and what they have intentionally done to be their best self. As we talk with them, the hope is that we uncover intentional gems that you can use in your life. Now, let's kick it over to Brian to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Performers podcast. I am Brian Levinson. Excited to have you with us for another great guest today. But before we get to today's guest, I want to let you know how you might be able to help me out here at the podcast. First of all, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, we would really appreciate it if you went over to iTunes and wrote us a review. Hopefully, you leave us five stars. It does really help us expand our reach and helps a bunch of podcast listeners find us. So thanks for your continued support. If you enjoyed today's conversation, we'd also appreciate it if you went over onto your social media platforms and shared. Share this conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever it is your social. Once again, that is the best way that people find the podcast. Now to today's guest. Louis Joseph was connected to me by past podcast guest Kevin Lavelle and Kevin said hey I think you'll really enjoy chatting with Lou and we have actually talked a bunch since recording the podcast he is really doing some cool stuff he is the founder the CEO he's the creative director of Alps and Meters which Louie and his team are hoping can express a deep appreciation for the rich, memorable mountain experiences through the design of first-class performance outerwear that is tailored, technical, and timeless. So they are an awesome brand. Uh, if you've ever been in the mountains in Colorado or Utah, you might have seen their stores. Uh, they're also in Boston, Massachusetts. And Lou has been at this clothing brand game for for quite a while he worked at puma he worked at new balance he worked at k swiss and he's been in that product marketing role before going on to to launch his own company which he is currently doing now and as it relates to leadership and being a ceo you're going to learn real quick that lou is a values-driven human who cares deeply about culture and connection he is somebody who cares about the process and i've just loved getting to know lou uh, over the past couple months and learning about his vision and his mission as it relates to Alps and Meters. So without further ado, I'm so excited to present to you, Louis Joseph. Lou, so excited to share this conversation with the world. We've had a few conversations uh, previous 
to this one. And we were connected originally by Kevin Lavelle, who was a past podcast guest and, and founded Miz and Maine, which is a very cool company. And Kevin said, hey, I got somebody for your podcast that I think you would enjoy chatting with. So since then, we've had a few conversations, really enjoyed it. And I'd love to learn a little more about you, your upbringing, your mindset, and how this business came to be. So uh, we were just talking about soccer. When did you start playing soccer growing up? When did that come into your life? Uh, tell me a bit about what life was like for you as a kid. Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me, first of all, and I appreciate uh, Kevin connecting us. Um, yeah, I, I come from a, an interesting family. Um, or I have a twin brother, fraternal twin brother, and I have two younger brothers uh, who are, in fact, identical twins. So we, have, we have two sets of twin boys. So you can imagine it was a relatively raucous, competitive household and um, you know, started playing soccer probably right near when I could walk. You know, that along with skiing, I, I, I found to be almost instantaneously, instantaneously two of my two of my passions. But, um, uh, you know, I grew up, grew up in Massachusetts, which at the time probably was not particularly a, a soccer hotbed, so to speak, compared to other uh, parts of the country. But um, with my, with my twin brother, we played at the youth level. Um, we played within um, the state team programs at, at that time called the Olympic Development Program. And we were fortunate enough to play both together um, at the college level. And I you know, went on thereafter to have a, a, a very uh, sort of flash in the pan um, moment at the semi-pro in, in professional levels, but um, learned a lot of uh, leadership skills in the sport, certainly how to be a part of a, of a team and, and work towards a common goal. And I'm, I'm thankful for all of my athletic experiences. And, you know, a lot of those values were, were, were certainly built into me um, from, from both of my parents who are really wonderful uh, gritty up from the bootstrap characters. My, my father, in fact, uh, was a first generation American. And I think, um, you know, his, his wherewithal to, to, to build a better life here, um, as his, as his parents had hoped to do really washed over, um, my brothers and, and, and myself. And, um, you know, certainly learned a lot from him that applied to the athletic fields. Lou, what was the age gap between your twin brother and your other your other twin brothers? Four four years, so just enough to give my parents maybe one God bless one, mo one moment <laughs> of reprieve in high school uh, before the the next wave hit them. Yeah, um, I, I think at the time, or so the story goes. You know how um, things change as is it pass these, these narrators around from, from time to time. But um, there was no ultrasound when, when my twin brother and I were being born. So in fact, my parents thought they were having one child too. I think with the second set, they knew they were on arrival, but I don't know how my father particularly felt when, when uh, you know, another set was on the doorstep. Um, maybe had thought about having two children and now had four. So um, a, a blessing in many ways, um, I, I would say you know, um, twins fascinate the hell out of me because if you're in my line of work, we're always curious about nature and nurture and how do you nurture nature? Talk about how you're similar to your twin brother. And then man, to get to observe another set four years behind you, I'm curious to get just your perspective on, on nature and nurture and what it's like to be a twin and what it's like to observe twins in the house. There's so much to unpack there that I'm curious about. 
Yeah, I think on the the nature side, there are just some some similarities that you know, psychological. They're probably genetic. I think my twin and I are are, 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 are I think cut from the same cloth, attitudinally, and always have been. Um, we're probably strivers. We're collaborators. We're, we're competitive at times. <laughs> we were probably both friend and foe. Um, my, my little brothers are um, similar in many ways, but revolved in, a, in an alternative orbit. They were, they, they played soccer, but they were exceptional baseball players. Um, but between the four of us, there was always a team to be built or, or pairings to be made or, or um, competitive endeavors to, to, um, to pursue. And, uh, you know, I, I think relative to sort of the nurture in our household, it was, uh, you know, a, a typical, um, you know, thoughtful set of parents, um, both ever present, my, my mother and father um, hovering on the athletic field, stewarding us to games, um, my mother being being you know, really the passionate skier in the family turned all of us onto skiing, and um, I, I think on the kind of nurture side, coming back to to the to the upbringing that, that my parents had in a town, blue collar town called Brockton, Massachusetts, that that had a pretty tremendous impact um, on my brothers and myself, knowing that we were raised upper middle class. We were always thankful for the opportunities that that we were provided, primarily by the generation. Um, that preceded my parents, their parents, um, who, who on my father's side came to the U.S. To, to really build a better life. My father was, in fact, named after Theodore Roosevelt, who was in the present at the time of, of my grandparents' immigration to the U.S. And um, that was never lost on us as we, you know, visited relatives in Brockton, Massachusetts. And, you know, there were often some stark contrasts, contrasts between the lifestyle and the means that they had and the means that my brother and I um, and my younger brothers were afforded from our parents. So we were, we were always grateful for that and wanted to kind of capitalize on the opportunities that we were given. And certainly that was expected, expected by our parents, but you know, lots of, uh, of similarities behaviorally from a, from a nature perspective that I think are just some of the magic that come with twins. And then, you know, most definitely on the nurture side, um, my parents and who they were, their values, their character, I, I think is just always something we wanted to model. And I think we had a bit of pent up energy, if you will, to, to uh, you know, not only recognize that we were afforded a, a lifestyle by generations who had come before us, but to really, you know, build on that and do our very best in whatever, whatever we were pursuing. Where did dad's family come from? They were Albanian. And what about mom? Was mom's family here already? Had they yeah, been here they, for a while? They were here, but uh, uh, a Lebanese legacy. So an interesting, uh, you know, perhaps is it, is it a Mediterranean marriage, so to speak? Um, but, uh, you know, real salt of the earth individuals. Um, and, you know, with, with, with kind of a first generation immigrant tinge. I remember interacting with my, with my grandmother on the Albanian side who spoke English, but always chose to speak in Albanian. 
um, you know, splitting Easter between sort of the traditional Roman Catholic Easter and the Eastern Orthodox uh, traditions um, that my father grew up on. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And, big, big effect. And, and then back to the twin dynamic. So I'm one of three boys and we had plenty of energy in the household and plenty of fighting. Uh, we are two and a half years apart and I'm the middle child. Oh, and, wow. yep. and my dad, we would, I, when you said pair up, I got an image of us pairing up to play sports and we'd play soccer in the basement and mm -hmm. my dad would usually be with like my younger brother and then I'd be with my older brother and often there would be a fight that would break out or, <laughs> or course, something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at one point, my dad bought us boxing gloves so that we could box in the basement um, to get out a lot of our, <laughs> our hostility toward each other. And the rule was that we weren't allowed to get the boxing gloves when mom and dad went out. And of course, we broke that rule yeah, and we no just started pounding on each other. Um, those boxing gloves did not last for too long in the house. I think my mom vetoed it. And, and But we played soccer in the basement and my nickname then became Digger. And I uh, was just reminded of that nickname. I just had a birthday and my dad and my uncle reminded me that my nickname was Digger because I would go into the corners and just dig it out and, and be <laughs> pretty relentless. But I'm imagining the two of you would pair up, you, you said. So each you and your twin brother would take one of your younger twins and you'd play two-on-two -two soccer and just go at it. Is that, is that what it would look like for you? Yeah, they were either individual competitions. I remember one point, um, building on the boxing analogy, my, my, my father um, grew up boxing out of Brockton, Massachusetts, um, you know, in the gym, same gym where Rocky Marciano trained. And we had the same uh, sort of, uh, you know, fisticuff antics, face-offs, either, you know, older brothers versus older brother, you know, that would eventually turn into, into a four, four boy melee. But, um, it was all types of, of, of sports happening in our home, whether I was, you know, paired up with my, with my twin uh, versus the, the younger guys or old and young versus, versus old and young. Um, it was an absolute kind of constant thread in our household. Um, things just naturally became competitive. And um, most of the time, most of the time in a friendly way, but um, boys will be boys and, you know, uh, there were moments where, where things became heated. And, um, I think at that time we didn't know how to be good winners. So we were pretty sore losers. Um, you know, my parents would often have to play a referee. And you mentioned, you know, growing up in this upper middle-class area, what did mom and dad do for a living? So my father, um, really cut his teeth um, at, at Honeywell Corporation and um, rose the leadership ranks there in, in what I would call sort of the nascent computing industry and um, it became um, chief executive officer of, of a number of different companies and then, um, you know, more or less in the twilight of his career, which was still, you know, sort of a high speed, you know, very intense um, professional environment. Um, would, would help various tech companies um, energize their, their, their businesses, um, recalibrate their organizations, um, prepare them for, for um, you know, better economic health. And, um, you know, my, my twin brother is, is, is involved in that sector. And obviously um, one, of my, one of my younger brothers uh, works for salesforce.com and 
my, my father in particular to both of those guys has been an, a tremendous coach. Um, my mother was uh, your classic um, stay at home mom. And I think uh, if she had career aspirations at one point, she did work for the, for the, for the CIA. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> we always joke about some of her, her clandestine duties there, but I think with, with four boys, the script probably changed it a little bit and her job was really hurting cats, trying to keep us out of trouble and um, maintain sort of a straight and narrow while my, while my father was traveling relatively extensively at times worldwide. Um, so that was, that was her role. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that my mom was kind of ever present and my dad was present as much as he could have been. And, and as I sort of conveyed, you know, he would often take the reins of some of our sports teams, whether that was little league baseball, CYO basketball, um, et cetera. So they had a really nice sort of balance that, you know, sometimes I reflect upon in my own marriage and with two young boys at home, how they did it with four is, 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 uh, it's mind blowing. Yeah. I, I just had somebody who spent a number of years in the CIA and on the podcast and it sounded like a really difficult job and a challenging job, but I think raising two sets of twin boys uh, takes the cake. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have no, I have no one to complain to because my mom will come and, and just, she's the, uh, she's the boy whisperer, right? I'll look and, and, and be sort of at my wits end with my little guys who are, who are four and two and I perceive them to be a handful. And, um, you know, that's, um, that's low stakes for my mother. That's for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you more like mom or more like dad? Ooh, really great question. I, I would say I have my mom's, let's say more, more, um, lighthearted, cheeky, mischievous sensibility. Um, she's just a high energy, incredibly giving person. I'm sure every you know son considers their mother a saint like, but my mom is a, incredibly special person. And, and, and I like to say that, that I, I'm probably not at that, um, black belt level, so to speak, but my dad's grit, resilience, integrity, and, um, you know, the journey that, that, that he, that he went on, um, really being, um, I don't know if poor is the right description, but, but certainly lower middle class, his, his father was a, was a cobbler, um, you know, what, what he created just with his, his intelligence, with his mindset, with his ambition, um, with his desire to, to build a better, um, you know, world here in this country is, um, you know, something that I think washes over me every single day, um, that, that is kind of a North star for me and, and the way that I want to live my life, not, not just to be, successful quote unquote, but, um, to, to, to prioritize the things that really matter, you know, most important, which is family. No, you said something that really resonated with me and we'll come back to family, but when you said, you know, creating, and it sounds like dad enjoyed creating. And I recently got asked by a college student, if I consider myself to be an entrepreneur, because he had to interview an entrepreneur for his, one of his classes. I said, yeah, sure. And so we, we talked a bunch and I think a better word than entrepreneur is that I'm a creator. I love mm. creating new things and I love creating a podcast. I love creating a book. I love creating new projects. Um, I love the act of creating something and then see it 
be birthed. I love retreats. I love like that space of creation, more the process of it than the outcome of it. Mm. And I'm curious for you, as you, you say that word, do you consider yourself to be an entrepreneur, a creator? Uh, how do you think about all that? Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to, to maybe um, adhere one label to uh, anybody that's pursuing I would say a, a passion of any kind from which they want to build a, you know, a livelihood, a community. Um, I've always loved building things. Um, you know, I remember when I was very young, I was a Lego fanatic. Um, and I think with regard to, to, to our later stage, um, luxury sportswear startup at Absent Meters. I, I embraced brand building very early on in my career and was really drawn, obviously, to, to, to product creation and that process, working with designers um, and, and, and bringing you know, something from, from idea or inception into some kind of physical manifestation um, always, always motivated me. And, um, is, 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 um, either a process or a, um, or a, 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 um, means of spending my time for which I, I, I really, um, found enjoyment. Um, so how would I describe things? It's probably a little bit of both because I think the, the entrepreneurial label really, really, you know, connotes, um, I, I think a little bit of risk taking certainly, certainly that those aspects of, of, of building something from scratch, um, the leap of faith. But I, I think within the entrepreneurial nomenclature there, there, there's the wherewithal to, um, you know, deal with the more mechanical side of, of, of a resource acquisition of, uh, of stakeholder um, development, cultivation, relationship building. You know, I think the, the entrepreneurial piece tends to be a little bit more macro and perhaps comprehensive. And I think every entrepreneur is in fact a creator, so they're not mutually exclusive, but um, the creative part of it really starts at least from my own perspective, from, you know, born out of a passion, born out of desire to, to, you know, turn an idea in, 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 into something more tangible. Um, you know, whether, whether that's, whether that's a business or um, if you're an artist dealing with a particular medium, music or painting, um, I think that's embedded in every single entrepreneur. So entrepreneurs, in my opinion, I think our creators, and I think the the shooting from the hip, the 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 um, the word entrepreneur, I think really denotes um, you know more of a where, wherewithal to 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 deal with things that will make um, the creative piece more sustainable, durable in the long term. Yeah, I think for me the word entrepreneur is just vague, and when I hear the word creator, I can see like okay, that's that's what I do. Like I. I go yeah, and create and that's so creating I, an action. Maybe. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. 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 And so I think you're right. I think 
an entrepreneur, it's like that, okay, that's the label, but what do they actually do? They're creating. And, and mm. so for me, like the title is less relevant, but the action to, to use your word is it, it's just landing with me right now. And I've always had a hard time explaining it. And you mentioned ideas. Like for me, like I love, I'm an idea guy and I drive everyone that knows me crazy because I'll come up with a new idea every day. And a lot of them I won't pursue, but some of them I do. And, mm-hmm. um, like I, I, I love when I have an idea, I think it's so exciting and I don't know where they come from. Um, but I think I love coming up with it. And then there are times where I love then creating it. And in some ways it, it, uh, it's where I could use partnership and collaboration because I love the idea. I love the iteration. I love the creating, but a lot of times I'll get it to the 80 yard line and I need someone else to take it those final 20. And like, I, I can see it. I can dream it. I can have the vision, but operationally sometimes I need people to connect dots Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's one of the things I'm, I'm currently trying to create more of is collaboration because I know that I'm also limited. Um, sure. In, of course. In, in my course. capacity. I want to, I want to go, well, I want to go back to you though. So you mentioned soccer and we talked about soccer a little before we started recording and this idea of it being a team sport and people have different roles. And so for you, what did you love about soccer? Uh, why, why soccer? Gosh, um, you know, I remember ri- skipping class in middle school in 86 and riding my bike home <laughs> to watch the first match of the 86 World Cup in Mexico. Um, I think there was a creative aspect to the sport. Um, it, it, it's probably suitable to me. I'm, I'm, I'm smaller and lighter of frame. So I think a lot of the other, uh, you know, harder contact sports were probably out of my reach. I was a little bit more perhaps maybe nimble fast with a uh, you know some some decent qualities of endurance so i think from a from a physical span, standpoint it married with the things that i could do well and i i really appreciated just from the get-go i think the camaraderie and um uh, you know I, I think it's probably um uh you know too cliche to talk about the teamwork of passing the ball from 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 one person to the next but i think you know within within that particular sport like any team sport, teams create together. They have a common goal. Um, they're united in their purpose. There's a sort of shared culture and value system that's created. Um, there are certainly sacrifices uh, that are made in terms of um, you know how how folks um, you know perceive their role within a team, participate within the team. Um, and then you know at the university level, if you look at sort of the fitness sessions that we ran, those were never particularly fun, but they were, they were, an, you know, a means to, to, to an end of, of a preparation that would hopefully lead to, to success. So all of that, you put that into, into a stew and it can really, I think, taste pretty good from, from a, from a leadership standpoint. And um, those are the things that really drew me, drew me to the sport, um, both in terms of sort of my abilities physically, but I think also um, my, um, you know, at the time, the way that I was growing as a, as a young boy into, into a teenager and into a young man, um, it taught me a lot about how to participate in larger groups, perhaps take a leadership role when it was appropriate. Um, and, 
you know, define goals and, and, and really understand how you would prepare to, to meet a certain objective. Um, and I think all those fundamentals are, are, are still with me. I'm sure they're with, with, with anybody who, who's been a part of the team of any kind, whether that's an athletic team or, or a band per se. Um, collaboration is absolutely the name of the game and recognizing your own strengths and weaknesses and how they can be complemented by others is, 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 is how you achieve things in life. In sports, I think is a great, uh, you know, vehicle to sort of impart that to young people. Lou, you mentioned collaboration and you also mentioned leadership. Uh, having a twin brother that was with you all along the way in, in college, were one of you more um, inclined to take on leadership roles or did you take on similar roles? Um, what did that look like? Yeah, um, we, we were both, I think we were both, uh, we had characteristics of leadership. Um, I think it's still from, from our parents. I think some of that raw was just work ethic. You're going to do something, do it well. Um, simple adages, don't quit. Um, and I think, I think that, um, you know, is always, um, those suit you well to, to a group environment because they, they model, they model what we would hope would be the, the, the best and the most correct, um, and aspirational behaviors. And I think folks are naturally drawn to that. I certainly was drawn to, to, to other leaders within all the teams that I played. We, we were, we were captains together of various sports, um, I think for a lot of different reasons, there were certainly others who, 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 who could have been captain captains as well. Um, and I think stylistically either myself or he and I, I think we really like being a part of the, the, the rank and file. And so we tend to lead, um, or at least I like to, to think that we lead with, with a, with a service oriented mindset, you know, inside out, inclusive, not exclusive, less, you know, certainly command and control than, than bottom up, you know, more in a, in, in, in a manner of kind of camaraderie and influence. But um, yeah, early on, I, I, I found myself in, 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 in those positions and um, was certainly thankful for those opportunities, learned a lot and, um, you know, definitely tried to model my behavior on folks that I respected um, and who I felt, you know, exhibited qualities that um that i felt were were, were most appropriate to the to the different settings and in treated people in the most appropriate ways and um, whether that was you know winning games or, or or just simply doing your best um you know the the the, the entire sort of athletic um, facet of my life you know, I, I still you know carry and compartmentalize and unpack you know, when I, when I'm trying to think about, um, you know, stewardship of my own particular company now. Super helpful. And, and just going yeah. to, to the business side and the entrepreneurial side, when was the first time you experimented with creating something or had some sort of business mind, you know, even if it was a lemonade stand when you're 10 years old, I'm just curious, like <laughs> what, what was your first yeah. business idea that you explored and you attacked or, or went after? Yeah, I, I can't say we attacked it with gusto, but I remember uh, um, my brothers and I shoveling driveways in snow 
Um, you know, that was the art of the cold call, right? Um, knock on the door. Well, one of us already started shoveling the driveway so that when someone came to the door, <laughs> you're already, you know, maybe 10% in, so they can't turn you down, uh, you know, clipping five, 10 bucks a pop, um, so that we could, we could buy, uh, we could buy candy, um, was always sort of the name of the game. You know, were I, you, I think, were you leading that or was it one of your other brothers leading that charge or was it yeah, collaborative? It, it, it was pretty collaborative. I think it, when, it, when it snowed, you grabbed your shovel. Um, there were a couple of our neighbors involved as well, and we would just canvas the entire neighborhood. Um, it, it, it was kind of the, 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 the thing to do. I mean, we obviously knew it, 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 it was helpful. Um, and um, I'm sure at one point we were kind of, uh, you know, nudged out the door by our parents. You know, not to go trolling for money, but to, to but to help our neighbors, and uh, we just thought it was fundamental to to, to ask for a, a quick buck here and there. Um, so that was that was really early, and you know, we had your classic kind of summer jobs of of, of landscaping, we work construction. Uh, you know, those were environments in which, um, obviously, very blue collar during our during our university experience, summer job, working construction, we were known as the college guys, but, um, you know, I, I would like to think worked as hard as anybody on that particular crew, which, you know, hard work definitely level sets the playing field. It doesn't matter what background you come from. If you're, if you're breaking rock to the next guy, next to the next guy. Um, and then, you know, I, I think, you know, from a professional perspective, um, I, I cut my teeth at New Balance Athletic Shoe in Boston, Massachusetts, but I had a hard time finding a job. Um, you know, uh, once my once my soccer career went up in flames, and I ended up you know finding an internship for who knows what the wage was, running around getting coffee, sort of just you know general demonstration of hustle, and you know quickly fell into stuff with with a lot of mentors who are still uh, very close to me today. Um, both on the international marketing side and brand management side, those folks who are kind of creating new business, really working with design teams to build new products. And I was just immediately drawn to that. Uh, I think first and foremost, creatively, but then started to kind of learn about the business building aspects from some of these mentors and new balance at the time was, was a much, 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 much smaller, more intimate company than it is today. Um, you know, I would, I would interact with the owner who's a wonderful gentleman named Jim Davis, who's still, uh, you know, is, I like to consider as a coach of mine. And um, those were sort of the first, let's say, proper um, real world business learnings that I was able to generate. And I was extremely fortunate enough to have that entire company really take me under its wing. And I ended up spending five or six years there. Um, you know, there was a little bit of simultaneity when I went to receive my master's at, at Babson College in Wellesley, Massachusetts, which is um, the number one graduate school for entrepreneurship. And that's probably where that coupled with a role that I had a little bit later at Puma um, steering and building a new innovation team, which was extremely entrepreneurial. That's when I think the rash of entrepreneurship sort of started to develop. Um, on the itch and then I had to scratch it and, you know, slowly it built a path to, 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 to jumpstart apps and meters. Very brick by brick for me. 
we're going to we're going to go into what you're doing now but before we do I, i'm just thinking new balance started as a running company right like sh- mm-hmm. sh- shoes for running puma started for soccer is that right uh so uh, yeah puma puma um correct so um uh rudolph dassler was adi dassler's brother and the dassler brothers split adi started adidas adidas and Rudolph started Puma and those headquarters are still just across the street from one another in a, in a village outside of Nuremberg, Germany called Herzogenaurach, but that's correct. Yeah. That's crazy. I never knew that story. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the old, that's the old uh, <laughs> Puma Adi lore. Correct. Yeah. All right. So Puma, it seems like has been successful for a number of years since you've been there and, and you mentioned New Balance's growth. What do you think allowed both of those brands to go beyond the the specific sport? I mean, certainly in my days, I've owned pairs of both of those shoes and not because I was playing soccer or because I was running uh, a lot. It was because I thought they were comfortable or cool or New Balance, especially. I think in my college days, it seemed like every kid had the gray New Balance sneakers and they were comfortable. What do you think allowed those companies to, you know, succeed um, and, and grow? Uh, you know, I mean, at, at a macro level, I think creativity, leadership, entrepreneurship, I mean, I mean New Balance was built by, by Jim Davis. Um, I think probably, um, I think in the early 70s, um, Jim started building New Balance or reinventing it, so to speak, and um, inventiveness, I think a, a, a recognition of what that brand um, stood for, what it what it what it could in the future um, stand for, which I think is a, is, is a sturdiness, um, a dependability, um, quality. Um, they're still manufacturing in the United States. Um, all of those things that I think Jim felt were were um, you know important in terms of the character of the company. I, I think clearly imprinted themselves positively on the consumer marketplace. And, uh, you know, it's very clear. That's why New Balance is, I don't know if I'm pegging it correctly, but they have to be probably north of um, three, four, $5 billion today, global. You know, Puma, uh, you know, I, I think was built in a, in a similar entrepreneurial fashion. Um, really the three individuals that, that helped to kind of build that company into the sportswear juggernaut that it is today. Um, Jochen Seitz, who was an old uh, chief executive officer, a gentleman named Martin Gansler, who was a chief product officer at the time and a really, really wonderful um, close friend of mine, who was the chief marketing officer named Antonio Bertone. And what I think those individuals created is, is really athleisure as we know it today. If you ask me, and I'm certainly probably biased, I think Puma invented that category. They were the first to, to even ahead of Lululemon, in, embrace yoga with collaborations with Christy Turlington. They were well ahead of, of, of sports-related product being adopted um, you know, within, within high streets and for streetwear um, you know, for purposes of fashion and, and rush through that door of opportunity faster than most to really rubber stamp Puma as a, as a sports lifestyle brand. I like to think that they created that category um, really out of, out of 
recognition of, 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 of a shift in the market that may not have been apparent to others, you know, an insight about particular consumer attitudes and really kind of sheer creative imagination surrounding product, which I think is a, is a great credit to, to both Antonio and to Martin who were, who were spearheading that function, but, you know, wildly innovative organization still is today. And um, I think a classic example, if we look at the environment we're in at the moment, of uh, at the time a very small brand that um, that that doubled down with conviction on a new idea that gave Sprout to to a series of green shoots that have that have now built a you know a, a billion euro business um, with greater health than 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 they probably could have ever imagined. Yeah, things that you don't even think about as a consumer. As you're explaining each brand, it's becoming so clear. When I bought New Balance shoes, it was because they were sturdy, they were comfortable, they wouldn't break. They, you know, you could wear those gray New Balance sneakers, and they went with jeans. They, I could wear them with shorts. I could wear them everywhere. Um, and then Puma, like I, I think about my 20s where I would. There was a time where I would wear like track jackets pretty much everywhere, and the Puma track jacket that I had which I actually lost at one point and had to buy mm. another one. It was this black track jacket. But that was like what I would wear. If, if I was like going somewhere on the weekend, like I would wear a track jacket. And a lot of times I was wearing it with my New Balance sneakers, which is, yep. it, it's just, I never even like thought about that and the intention that they had about breaking in there. Um, and then of course, we, my, my friends and I, when we were in our mid twenties, there was a Lululemon store that opened up in, uh, in our area. And one of my, the first purchase that I had, uh, there was, um, a, a track jacket from Lululemon. Um, so it's just oh, wow. kind of amazing. Yeah. It's interesting as you're talking, when did Alps and meters, when, when did, when did this come into your, your mindset and into, into being for you? Oh man, it's it's a great question. I was I was living in Los Angeles at the time and uh, was between jobs, and I think I learned so much in in my role at Puma in, in terms of um, as I mentioned, entrepreneurship. Really, um, you know, working on new ideas, some of them product related, some of them consumer experience related, some more platform related. When wearable wearable tech was hot, we were building collaborations with Philips and Einhoven to to look across the parent company's portfolio that included Puma, Gucci, Yves Saint Laurent. Um, I really, really um, enjoyed the, the inception process and, and um, the, 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 the planning process to, um, to bring these endeavors to life and then give them a, 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 a commercial path to viability. Um, I've always been a very old sort of soul kind of analog in my behavior and obviously growing up skiing in the white mountains of New Hampshire um, alongside a lot of my soccer antics, it drew me to the mountains and that's become, you know, really woven tightly into the fabric of my entire life. Um, and, you know, I, I've been just tinkering with the idea of what I was going to do next and felt like it was, it was, it was a moment in which I could perhaps take a leap of faith and marry my passion for Alpine sport with the career and with the creation of a, of, of a sportswear business that would um, have a um, scent, uh, you know, kind of a complexion that would reflect my 
my traditional um, desires, so to speak. And, um, you know, to say that the first idea for apps and meters <laughs> was a great one is, is definitely not the case. Uh, my, my wife and I still um, have a laugh or two over, over some of the first nascent PowerPoints that I created, which, um, you know, were not very sexy. Um, we're just sort of the storming and forming stage of, of what now I think has become a, a a really desirable um, global luxury business, um, but it really was a process from start to finish. You know, cutting cutting the cord at my day job, um, you know, burning the ships, as they say, um, to, to, to go all in. You know, working with some very early stage partners who had complementary skill sets to me, finding designers to really start to manifest the product itself. Um, you know, taking a trip to, to tap dance in front of factories and sell them on this particular dream was also, you know, sort of uh, an, an interesting sidecar, but relevant story. And um, I, I think it was kind of a moment in my life that I, that I'd been unconsciously sort of preparing for. And I didn't want to look back um, at that particular moment and let it pass me by. Um, and it, it felt like the time was right to, you know, take a moonshot, so to speak, with all the risks and rewards that, that come with it. But it was really probably a, it was probably, you know, soup to nuts, a, a 12 month process for me to, to, to drum up the courage to give it a go. Talk about the name. So Alps and Meters um, was, was sort of the outcome of a brainstorm that I conducted with two really wonderful creatives um, and friends of mine, one named Adam Larson and the other named, uh, uh, Allison Waters Doherty, who in fact have their own creative firm now to give them a plug called Adam and Co. And they're, they're really two of the most phenomenal, I think, creatives in the business. Adam really being um, a brand designer of extraordinary skill and Allison, um, just an impeccable strategist. And, and, and Adam, in fact, um, and Allison were the ones who really helped to unlock Alps and Meters um, logo. And it's really wonderful in its symmetry if you take a very close look at it. Um, you know, not only the the mountainous formation of the A and and, and all of the all of the atmosphere that that conjures up, but the way that the the A and the M are nested. Um, it, it's quite a sophisticated um, mark with with a number of different sort of um, mechanical and emotional layers therein. But I wanted I wanted to 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 name the company and, and give it a real traditional resonance. So for whatever reason, I, um, I, I just wanted an ambersand in the name, you know, uh, Joseph and Sons. I wanted it to feel, um, you know, old world, time-tested, time authentic, but, but, but bring people, you know, back to a, to, a, to a simpler place in time. And I felt like um, that kind of rhythm to the name would help to achieve that. And, and, and I I'd sort of centered on Alps as more of a, let's say, transportational um, prefix to the name. And it, it, it was Adam and Allison that, that came up with, with, with the suffix and meters. Meters obviously having the connotation of height, but it has a little bit of a double entendre because it's also the unit of measure for tailors. And we wanted to make old world garments. We wanted to craft them in a farm to table way. We wanted to use natural materials we wanted to sort of represent that that 1920s chamonix mont blanc high street sensibility and um 
you know, I, I, I knew two things in, in working with Adam and Allison that when, when Adam presented the logo, uh, there was zero debate that was rubber stamped almost instantaneously. And then, um, when the name came together, Alps and meters, um, it was, it was much of the same. It just is one of those things that I think, you know, it when you hear it and, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm forever grateful for the, for the contribution that Allison and Adam made to the company, the impacts just, it can't be overstated. Um, it's interesting, Lou, because I'm going through rebranding my company. I'm going through, like. Uh, uh, a book cover. And so I'm like living in this space right now thinking intentionally about the brand, which is not something that I think I've done a great job of up until now. Um, and I certainly haven't given a lot of energy to. And one of the things I really appreciate about the process is it really makes you get clear on what your offering is, why you're offering it, and how you want mm-hmm. it to show up to others so that they can see it. And so I've come... I've become so much more appreciative of thinking about the brand. And even as I heard you talking about New Balance and Puma and what goes into that um, and, and sort of the sophistication behind something that looks from a consumer standpoint is very simple. Um, I think you almost want it to be simple from the consumer's, consumer's eye, but from your perspective, there's so much that goes into that sim- simple offer. Um, and I've never really thought about it in that way. So it's helpful as I hear you talk and think about what I'm doing branding wise and why it matters. Um, so thank, thank you for that. Yeah. It usually gets, you know, you know, listen, I give Allison and Adam all, all of the credit, but I think there are layers and layers and, um, to sort of any branding endeavor. And I think you're right. I think the outcome should appear simplistic, understandable, you know, comprehensive and robust. I think the, 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 the mechanisms to get there, the creative process behind it is, is, is an innovative one. It, it can be noisy, um, collaborative, all of those, all of those wonderful things as you try to, to, you know, ultimately adhere your mission and values and persona into these, into these tangible marks the the design mark and the word mark but um yeah if that that was helpful (laughs) to to you i'm glad what what has the journey been like being you know starting a company how many years have you been at it oh man i mean year zero was probably 15 so that's a full year of um angst and anxiety and, <laughs> uh, really trying to 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 understand what it is that i was that i was building and why i was building it and we're, 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 i think every every founder entrepreneur creative team would say that that that's never a done a done deal never a finished job it's always a matter of continuous improvement but we went live um with a very nascent website in the uh in the late winter of 1617. So four or five, six year journey here. Uh, what have you learned? What have you learned going through this process? Wow. I mean, the learnings are, 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 are myriad. Um, 
uh, you know, th things, things that I think are probably, they may not be unique to us. I, I don't want to, to speak on, on behalf of other, on, other entrepreneurs in, in their endeavors because every, every one is, is different. I think that the journey for us is, is, is long. It's been pretty arduous. Um, I think, I think, you know, our convictions have suited us well, whether that's sort of a business model, which is predicated on, let's say, slower growth, um, 2x growth rather than hyper growth is something that we we really embraced that that's been helpful to us. Um, you know, learned a lot about grit and resilience where we've had, um, like, like every early stage business, some near death experiences. Um, problem solving is obviously, obviously paramount. Um, and, and learning to, um, I mean, one, one interesting thing that I've sort of found is, is I've developed this odd, um, scale of procrastination um it, it may be a little bit counterintuitive because if you perceive that procrastination can kind of kill off a startup where you're trying to trying to trying to move quickly um but you know i i found really slowing down my thinking to the absolute lowest possible gear you know taking a breath in a crisis maybe even sleeping on things um and revisiting them you know, and what what would be perceived to be, um, a, or over a more lengthy time period, has has suited our decision making very very well. You know, there have been times where we have really had to bet to make the right bet to survive and then to thrive, and 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 and, and probably part part luck we we've been able to do so. But I think the rigor of thought. You know, you're dealing with so many different dimensions, trying to build a brand in multiple horizons, trying to manage cash flow while you're growing, um, you know, build, construct, deal with the, a complex supply chain. And, and for us, build a, build, a, build a luxury brand or a premium brand at minimum, um, you know, is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a challenging, challenging creative endeavor. I knew it would be very difficult. It's probably, probably met my expectations in, in, in that regard and it exceeded them in others. And I think for us, it's taken us quite a bit of time to get up to the starting line, which is maybe unlike some of the other, other startups, either in our space or in others that have, that have you know, caught the wave very quickly. Um, but it's never, it's never perhaps um, dulled dulled the potential of what we believe um, the brand holds. And, and quite frankly, and, and, and thankfully, we, we've had, um, you know, other stakeholders involved, you know, primarily our investors and partners who have believed in that same um, value proposition as much as we do. But the learnings, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just countless. What, what do you do to make sure you're sharp? You mentioned slowing down and sometimes giving things a night's rest. And uh, at the same time, you're trying to survive, thrive, run fast. You're, in, you're still in startup mode. What do you do to make sure that you're healthy and, and functioning, functioning well? Oh, it's, uh, you know, I've got a startup, startup lifestyle with my two boys as well. So, you know, yeah. there's... There aren't too many places to hide in the Joseph household, but um, you know my wife is, is, is I think as many many um, founders would say their 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 spouse or better half um, you know is a co-founder. I lean on her um, a lot, and she's an incredibly durable character, willing to listen, willing to offer advice. That cathartic um, 
um, set of discussions is incredibly therapeutic to me. Um, I, I look for advice a lot, probably, you know, some would say too much. And that's not to say that I, I, I'm indecisive, although I struggle with decisions like every other founder entrepreneur, but I really like to sense check the direction I'm going with, with individuals who I think, um, uh, you know, have more experience than I do, um, have, 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 have more, more depth and domain knowledge than I will. And I, I think from that perspective, I spend quite a bit of time in conversations um, with others because I, I think, um, you know, perspective is very important for all of us who are creating things. And I know that there is a lot that I, that I do not know. And even with sort of my rules of thumb, I know that there's a lot of bias built into the experience that I have and that what I did yesterday definitely will not predict what I will do tomorrow. Although I like to kind of lean on those heuristics to go faster. That's that those are traps sometimes. So, you know, whether it's speaking to my wife, um, who 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 is on this journey with me, you know, is 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 intelligent, um, you know, tough like an entrepreneur was an early stage Lululemon employee, um, you know, helped Chip on his journey building that company or reaching out to other experts in my ecosystem. I, I do a lot of kind of CEO therapy, I would say, to keep myself myself sharp. I do a lot of that with our with with, with my teammates who 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 are peers and. Um, yeah, I try to get a good night's sleep. Difficult to do, you know, with with all the demons circling around, and um, you know, do my very best to tackle, you know, each day with as much gusto as I as I possibly can. But but for me, it's really about um, uh, those cathartic coaching conversations. You know, coaching being the primary word, and, and seeking that out to help me with um, my own attitude, my decision making. Um, in kind of the general governance and, and, and perspective about Alpsometers overall. Awesome. I mean, lost without others, lost <laughs> as, as any captain would at sea, right? You need, you know, you don't need a crew, you need other co-founders and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I have plenty of them around me. Lou, you have a humility about you that is is really genuine and authentic and it's clear that you like to be part of a team and, and, uh, you know, are not necessarily ego centric or, or driven. And um, it's, you just come off as somebody who's a genuine, authentic, really smart person that uh, is also driven to create a brand that uh, you're, you're proud of and that people will enjoy. And so it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And uh, how can people find out about what you're up to and the company? Uh, where can they go online if they want to go buy some of the, some of the stuff that you, they can't see you, but you're rocking a nice beanie hat and a, a cool sweater jacket. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know right. if I'm yeah. using the right phrasing, but it looks pretty sweet. So um, where can people find out about what you all are up to? Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for that. Um, uh, you, you can find Alpsometers traditional Alpine sportswear at alpsometers.com. I think there's a lot to peruse on our website categorically, men's, women's, uh, outerwear, beautiful knitwear assortment, and a, and a really blossoming, uh, wonderful sportswear collection made up of shirting and polos. Take a look at our journal as well, uh, which you can find on the site, uh, which has a lot of homegrown content really telling stories um, 
about people, places, memories, and traditions uh, connected to, to mountain towns all over the world. But, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to plug the company and it's been, it's been a real pleasure joining you on the podcast, Brian. Thanks a million. Awesome, Lou. I'm on Twitter at Brian Levinson, Instagram, intentional underscore performers. And you can listen to all these conversations at intentionalperformers.com. Lou, chat real soon. Thanks for joining us and all the best during these crazy times. I, you know, I just wish you and the company the best during, during a wild time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson. Here is this week's episode gem. Um, you know, do my very best to tackle, you know, each day with as much gusto as I, as I possibly can. But, but for me, it's really about um, uh, those cathartic coaching conversations, you know, coaching being the primary word and, and seeking that out to help me with um, my own attitude, my decision making, um, and, and kind of the general governance and, and, and perspective about Alps and meters overall.